0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, squad member Corey Bush gives a shockingly honest answer when asked why she uses private security, even as she calls for defunding the police. Uh, you should hear this and we'll play it today. We'll talk about the lessons we might learn from it. Also, CNN runs a story that unintentionally reveals the psychological abuse that some COVID panicked parents are subjecting their children to. It's worse than you might think. And Ron DeSantis again proves why he should be the 2024 Uh, frontrunner. Plus, in our daily cancellation, we have a story about a trans YouTuber named Chris Chan that is so outrageous that if I summarized it right now, you would think I was making it up. So you'll have to stick around to hear that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. These days, you know, a lot of us spend way too much time staring at screens. I know that I certainly do. Although for, for a lot of us, it's also part of our job where, where our job is contained within the screen. And so we have to stare at it. Or if you're watching this show right now, uh, you know, you, you really have to stare at the screen, you must. So um, the problem is though that, uh, you know, the blue light damages our eyes and can lead to blurred vision, headaches, dry, watery eyes. A lot of people suffering from this because of all this time uh, staring at screens. And that's why you need Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks was created to fix this problem and block out the damaging blue light with high quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, Blue Blocks are evidence-based and made under optics, uh, optic laboratory conditions in Australia. The founders were unhappy with the quality and lack of science behind leading blue light blocking glasses uh, brands. And so that's why they made Blue Blocks. And the difference between them and some other brands is that they actually work. They also have over 40 stylish frames for every need. So you don't need to sacrifice uh, the style for the functionality, you kind of get both here. And they come in prescription, non-prescription, and readers. Blue Blocks is also giving back in partnership with Restoring Vision for each pair of Blue Blocks glasses purchased. They'll donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in need. So go to blueblocks.com Walsh. Use coupon code Walsh to save 15%. That's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash Walsh. Use coupon code Walsh to save 15% off. Before we uh, really begin today, I must again harass you with some shameless self-promotion. If you have not yet signed up for my email newsletter, The Matt Walsh Report, then please do that immediately. Otherwise, I'll have to keep talking about it. Also, we have uh, achieved some major milestones just this week as I crossed 100,000 followers on Instagram, 600,000 followers on Twitter, and 800,000 on Facebook a few weeks ago. These are, without a doubt, the greatest accomplishments of my life, which perhaps means that I have lived a terribly sad and pathetic life, but be that as it may, Make sure to follow me on all, those, uh, all those, uh, those platforms, those three platforms. Follow me on all platforms everywhere. Just follow me everywhere, except please don't follow me in real life or else I'll be forced to call the police. Speaking of the police, that provides us with a seamless transition into our lead topic today, which revolves around defund the police activist, Democratic representative, racist, shill, abject moron, and revolting disgrace of a human being, Cori Bush. She was, uh, you may recall, most recently seen in a makeshift pretend homeless encampment Surrounded by empty bags of Oreos and Fritos, calling for the CDC to illegally seize private property from middle-class landowners. After succeeding in that mission, Bush appeared on CBS to celebrate this uh, further legal persecution of the middle class. During the course of the interview, the subject turned to her advocacy for the defund the police movement. And she was asked about a recent report, which seems to hint at some hypocrisy on Bush's part when it comes to this. Before we get to our answer, let me read a little bit of this report from um, this is from Fox News. It says Missouri Representative Cory Bush spent nearly seventy thousand dollars on private security over the past three months as she advocated for defunding the police. According to campaign filings, Bush's campaign spent uh, or sent fifty four thousand dollars in payments between April 15th and June 28th for security services to rs and Security Consulting, a New York based firm with a mysterious online presence. The Democrats campaign also paid 15 grand to Nathaniel Davis for security services and uh, the $69,000 of security payments accounted for more than a third of Bush's $197,000 in campaign expenditures during the second quarter. It's also nearly double what her campaign spent on private security during the first quarter of 2021. She's also spent tax money on private security as well. Now, this, just so you know, is a lot for someone to spend on private security. Even her fellow squad members have paid only a fraction of that total. But she's spent more than all of them combined, a lot more. But whether she's forking over a lot or a little or something in between, the greater point is that this woman seeks to deprive poor and middle-class people of the safety and security that she obviously feels herself entitled to. And that brings us to the CBS interview in which Cory Bush was blindsided when the anchors posed an actual real question asking her to explain the contrast between her defund the police position and her exorbitant personal security expenditures. You have to feel for Bush a little bit here because she wasn't expecting someone on her own team to put her on the spot like that. So she was obviously taken a little bit off guard and yet her answer is extremely revealing and uh, worth listening to almost in its entirety. So this this clip is a little bit long, but I think it's worth your time. Let's take a listen.
1: They would rather I die? You would rather me die? Is that what you want to see? You want to see me die? You know, because that could be the alternative. So either I spent $70,000 on private security over the last few months, and I'm here standing here standing now and able to speak, able to help save 11 million people from being evicted or i could possibly have a death attempt on my life and we're also talking about the same exact people who say horrible things about me who lie to get to to build up their base and then because they lie about me i receive death threats I have private security because my body is worth being on this planet right now. I have private security because they, the white supremacist racist narrative that they drive into this country, the fact that they don't care that this black woman that has put her life on the line—they can't match my energy. First of all, this black woman who's who, who puts her life on the line—they don't care that my that I could be taken out of here. They actually probably are okay with that. But this is the thing. I won't let them get that off. You can't get that off. I'm gonna make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to to allow that. So if I end up spending 200,000, if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives.
0: Hmm. My God, what a moron. What a very stupid person they've elected to Congress there. She said attempts on her, there have been attempts on her life. So people have actually tried to kill her and and, and the, uh, that's private. Because she says that there's been attempts on her life. And that if it wasn't for the private security, she wouldn't be on this earth right now. So she's saying that people have actually come up and tried to kill her. And the private security had to step in and save their life. Did When did that happen? I don't remember hearing about that. An actual assassination attempt seems like that would have made the news. I don't remember hearing anything about that, but I don't doubt that Cory Bush gets death threats. If that's what she means by it. now, that's not the same thing as an attempt on your life. A, a threat is not the same thing as an attempt. Um, although I don't deny that the, uh, the I don't I don't uh, doubt that those death threats happen. I'm also not impressed by that fact, frankly, because everybody on the public stage gets death threats. Um, I get them. I've had crazed leftists threaten to murder me and my children. I've had threats even more graphic and gruesome than that. Targeted not just at me, but at my family and my kids. And I'm not even going to repeat them. I I could tell you that any time I've run afoul, especially of the BLM mob in particular, there's normally at least one person from that crowd who will step up to send me a message threatening to shoot me in the face. Now, this is not a contest. But the point is that these Democrats who allegedly get death threats cannot act as though they're special or unique in that category. It's certainly bad. It's a bad thing for anyone to get death threats. It's a bad thing that nobody can seem to voice an opinion in this country publicly without, have, without having some mob of people from one side or another threatening to murder them for it. And we could have a conversation about that. We could talk about how we've reached this point as a society and, and, and um, how much of it can be blamed on the casual anonymity afforded by the Internet. I think a lot of it can be, in my opinion. But the conversation can't be fruitful if it's been decided from the outset that somehow it must all tie back to white supremacy. And that's why almost no conversation in this country is fruitful today, because it's decided from the outset that white supremacy must be the answer to every question. It's like trying to play a game of Clue if the rules stipulate that the murderer always has to be, you know, Colonel Mustard with a candlestick in the kitchen. It just it doesn't work. It doesn't go anywhere. Now, that aside. The real issue here, of course, is that Cori Bush believes that she is deserving of a level of protection and security that the average family of nameless, faceless peons does not warrant. The only thing unusual about that is that she's so explicit about it. She sees no problem with standing in front of a camera and saying, yeah, my life is important because the world needs me around, but uh, the same doesn't apply for everyone. This is a common theme with the Democrat Party and prominent leftists in general. We could run down a laundry list. They want to defund the police while still utilizing private protection for themselves. They want to ban guns while surrounding themselves with armed men. They want you to reduce your carbon footprint while using private jets and living in lavish, energy-inefficient houses. They extol the virtues of socialism while reaping personal profits. They tell you to wear a mask and socially distance while throwing maskless parties for themselves. I mean, the list goes on. And I think there are a couple of things for us to understand about this, about these double standards. One is that the vision of life preached by the leftist politician is just that, a vision, a phantom, something lingering in the ether, an abstraction. Nobody actually lives it. Nobody can live it. This is different from what you find on the right. Now, it's true that plenty of Republicans are sniveling hypocrites. No question. There are many examples that come immediately to mind of a, you know, for example, a family values conservative who lives a life behind the scenes, which would seem to indicate that he doesn't value family at all, least of all his own family. But even so, the basic vision of life that conservatives promote or should promote anyway is one that certainly can be lived and is lived and has been lived. It it is practical and attainable, and it leads to real happiness and fulfillment. Speaking just for myself as a conservative, what I promote is is a family and faith-centered life where the home, mother, father, children, lie at the foundation and society is structured around protecting and sustaining this foundational unit and especially protecting the children, both physically and morally. This is not the kind of society we have right now, and many people don't live this way, but we know that it is possible to have this sort of society. And it is possible to live this way because this was the way of Western civilization for countless centuries before we came along and screwed everything up. Now, on the left, it's a different story. They say, among other things, they wanna dismantle the patriarchal nuclear family. They wanna dismantle the traditional rule of law by defunding and abolishing the police. They want to abolish free market capitalism. They want to abolish any sense of traditional morality, abolish biological sex, abolish gender roles entirely, turn away from modern technological advancements, which they say are leading to a planetary cataclysm. This is not only a hideous plan for the future and one which, in attempting it, can only lead to despair. It's also not really possible. It's certainly not possible to have a functioning society or live a functioning life while demolishing all of these things which serve as the pillars of such a society and a life. These leftists do not live in a manner that is consistent with their professed worldview because their professed worldview is objectively insane and cannot actually be lived. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other is that the hypocrisy, the double standard, the more-for-me-less-for-you attitude from Cori Bush and her comrades— is the point. She's not shy about it. She's not upset when we point it out. The, The point is that she is superior, she is better, she is more important, her life is more valuable. So when you say, hey Corey, you're acting like your life is more valuable, she responds, yeah, thank you for noticing. Now you're starting to get it. She wants you to see it. She wants it to seep into your consciousness. She wants you to come to believe that you really are something less than her. You know, when people um, use the word Orwellian these days, they're normally referring to the book 1984, which was no doubt prophetic in many ways. But a book that seems even more relevant to our time is Orwell's Animal Farm, his allegorical satire of communism. And someone on Twitter reminds me of this passage, uh, when the pigs, who are the communist leaders of the farm, are revealed to have been helping themselves to better and more bountiful rations than the other animals, even as they preach equality and everyone should get the same and so on. One of the pigs, um, to try to calm the mob, endeavors to explain why they are entitled to more and better, and this is what he says. He says, quote, Comrades, you do not imagine, I hope, that we pigs are doing this in a spirit of selfishness and privilege. Many of us actually dislike milk and apples. I dislike them myself. Our whole object in taking these things is to preserve our health. Milk and apples, this has been proven by science, comrades, contain substances absolutely necessary to the well-being of a pig. We pigs are brain workers. The whole management and organization of this farm depend on us. Day and night, we are watching over your welfare. It is for your sake that we drink the milk and eat those apples. I mean, that is almost verbatim. Just take milk and apples out and put private security in. It's almost exactly what Cory Bush said. Yes, it's for our sake that our betters help themselves to rights and privileges that they seek to deny us. That was the message from the pigs on the farm, and it's the message from the pigs in Congress. And they hope you hear it and take it to heart. Now let's get to our five headlines. Well, you guys know one of my favorite sponsors. Uh, that I love telling you about is Charity Mobile, and why do I love Charity Mobile so much? Because one of the reasons is it's it's a matter of exhaustion. I'm exhausted by all these companies out there who um, who hate me. Uh, even if I, even as I give them money as a customer, they they hate me and they're they're working against me. They're using that money to work against our you know our cause in the culture. Well, that's not the case for Charity Mobile. Charity Mobile is the pro life phone company because 5% of your monthly plan price goes to the pro-life, pro-family charity of your choice, which means that you can switch to a company that shares your beliefs and won't cancel or censor you for them. In fact, they're gonna support you for them. And uh, there's a lot of other great perks that come with it because it's a great service. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. You also get free usage alerts. You get a free app to monitor your usage and pay your bills and much more. A lot of convenience there as well. No contracts, no termination fees, no risk with a 30-day guarantee. You also get nationwide service on America's most reliable network. I've never had any problems with my charity mobile phone in terms of service. Um, So you can turn everyday living into effortless giving for the charity of your choice. Call them at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com. Uh, by the way, I want to thank everyone for, I talked yesterday about the, this situation that I'm in, uh, personal crisis I'm in, uh, revolving around a dog and how this, this pressure campaign that's being waged against me by, by uh, my wife and children uh, to get a dog. And uh, many, many comments, many people leaving comments, sending me messages and emails uh, giving me advice and tips and suggestions on like what kind of dog to get. I said that that you know, if I was going to get a dog, it would have to be a dog that could provide some kind of service to the family. We don't need another creature lying around to be taken care of if they're not contributing. Everyone has to contribute, including um, the uh, we already have a cat that does absolutely nothing for us whatsoever. So. A lot of suggestions and what I'm uh, like, what kind of dog could fit that? A good family dog, but also a dog that could provide some protection, be a good guard dog. And what I am getting from taking all of these pieces of advice, and I did read a lot of it. And what I'm getting from it is that every dog you can name is perfect for what I'm looking for, but also horrible for what I'm looking for. So that's what I'm getting from the, that's the, That's the dog owner advice. That's That's what I've discovered. Every single dog is great, but also terrible. Which is sort of what I already thought, so it's kind of confirming my priors, I guess. All right, CNN put out another hit piece on Ron DeSantis, but um, what's supposed to be an expose of DeSantis is really an expose of horribly abusive parents, and uh, this is th- this goes on for a little bit, but this starts with a, a you know a story about one family in Florida and uh, a child in this family who is like reaching out and demanding that, um, that all the kids at her school should have to wear masks. Anyway, we'll just play it and uh, you can see it for yourself. Here it is.
1: Dear Superintendent, Dr. Green and school board members, I would like to encourage the requirement of masks at school in Duval County. In a
2: letter to school leaders, Lila Hartley explains what worries her. She's 12 years old, about to be in seventh grade in Duval County, vaccinated, but her little brother, 10-year-old Will, isn't old enough to get the vaccine.
1: I'm so worried that if masks are not required, my brother could go to school one day and the next be dying in the hospital. At school, I wear two masks
3: because I want to make sure I don't get sick.
2: Their father, Matt Hartley, wants Duval County Public Schools to mandate
3: masks. I care about your kid as much as I care about my kid, and I don't want any kid to, to risk being hospitalized or getting long COVID symptoms or just being a part of our community spread. Masks for all,
2: in the fall. Mandating masks, however, would defy an executive order signed by Governor Ron DeSantis banning schools from forcing students to wear masks.
0: So the media, again, trotting a child out with with, with the eager consent of, of the parents and hiding behind the child. Like this is supposed to prove something. Yeah, the, the, the little girl, 12 years old, is worried that her 10 her year old brother is going to die of covid. And yet yeah, she's worried about that because of her insane, psychologically abusive parents. That's all her her, the child's worries and concerns. And I feel a lot of sympathy for that kid. And in a sane society, CPS, after that story, CPS would be stepping in. And at a minimum doing a welfare check on those on those children, if not removing them from the home. And that's not an exaggeration. This is this is just extremely disturbing and extreme levels of psychological abuse that they're undergoing. That's all that's proven by the child's worries and concerns because in reality of course statistically and based on everything we know about this virus and have known from the beginning there is almost no chance that her 10-year-old brother is going to die of the virus that is nearly certain that it won't happen the only reason i say nearly is because like anything is possible right You could be walking down the street and uh, an old tiny space rock from outer space could come and hit you in the head and kill you. It could happen. But I would say walking down the street, it is nearly certain that it won't happen. But what if um, there there were parents that had their kids wear football helmets everywhere they go because there might be a space rock that comes and, and flies out of the sky and hits them in the head? What would we say about that? And they even have to wear the helmets in their homes because, you know, the rock could go through the the, uh, the ceiling. And it's not just space rocks. I mean, there, there are many different things that could potentially fall out of the sky. You never know. People are killed. Thousands of people across the world are killed every year by things falling on them, different sorts of things. But what if, what if it was a, a parent's who, because of that concern, had their kids wear football helmets everywhere they go, there would be a, 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 I think a consensus among all rational people that these parents are crazy, are, are deeply disturbed and you know, those kids are in a potentially are certainly in an abusive situation. It's, like a, it's a form of Munchausen by proxy. Pretend making your kid feel as though they're sick or, or, or might become deathly sick, even though there's almost no chance of it. So they have their child wear two masks to school all day. And then if you're just listening to the audio podcast, you didn't see the visual there of this family sitting around their dinner table playing a, a board game at night and everyone in the family is masked in their home. That means that those kids, he wears two masks to school. He's double masked all day, every day, every waking hour of the day, apparently. Oh, but of course, we're, and we're not allowed to question the if there's any health consequences of that. We, we, we can't even... We, I literally can't question it. YouTube would shut the show down if I did. If I were if hypothetically if I were to speculate that maybe it might do some kind of harm to a child to put a cloth mask on them and keep it on them all day every day with germs and dirt and spit and sweat accumulating in that thing, which they are breathing in all day for fear of a virus that has almost no chance of doing them any serious harm whatsoever. If I were to speculate about that, it would be uh, misinformation. And they would take the show off the, the channel. If I were to speculate. Some people would speculate. You know, there there are some people out there who would say, you're doing a lot more damage to children, a lot more harm than good. You are damaged. This, this is physically unhealthy some people would say. There are those who say that. I may or may not agree with those people. All right, Jen Psaki offered her justification for Biden extending the eviction moratorium, even though he'd already said it wasn't legal to do so. And uh, there's there's really no good answer she can give here because this was, it's it's pretty straightforward. He said, I can't do it, it's illegal. And then he did it. But she makes an attempt here to explain, to wiggle her way out of this. And here's how that goes.
3: After the president was clear that it wasn't legal, Gene Sperling was clear that it wasn't legal. Is this a roll the dice and see if it gets challenged position from an administration
2: that may be doing something it knows is not on legal standing? Well, the president would not have supported moving forward with any action where he wasn't, didn't feel there was uh, legal standing and legal support. Uh, We obviously don't control what the courts do. Uh, and we, we have uh, of course seen what the Supreme Court uh, decided and how they ruled, which was not related to public health as you well know, Kelly, and was related to the relationship between the landlord and the renter. Uh, but uh, this is different in that it is more targeted Uh, It is focused on counties with higher substantial case rates uh, uh, to protect renters, and and CDC ultimately decided decided to adopt it. I would also note that the conditions have changed. Uh, The rise of the Delta variant, especially in communities where there are large numbers of unvaccinated individuals, where there are growing case numbers, uh, is certainly something that has raised the alarm for us. It has raised the alarm for members of Congress, and it has certainly uh, added to the need to take this additional step.
0: Uh, Okay conditions have changed and that's why conditions changed what they changed in 12 hours they changed between the time when Biden said he couldn't do it it's illegal and then when he did it because we're talking about less than a day in between those two events they change what what changed what exactly changed what are you talking about And then she also says this is targeted and focused. <laughs> Tar- it's a different eviction moratorium because it's, it's a targeted and focused moratorium. Even if it was, even if that was the case, it still would not be a legal justification. The Supreme Court just said you can't do this. Even if this was targeted and focused, that it only affected, you know, 15% of um, of renters or something like that. I don't care if it only affects 1%. The CDC doesn't have this authority. I don't care if it it only applies to one renter in the entire country. It's simply authority the CDC does not have. But as it happens, this targeted and focused policy applies to, as I said yesterday, 90% of the population. Um, I think it's something like 80% 80 of U.S. counties equaling 90% of the population. Targeted and focused, right. Okay, two Republican governors in the news, one bad, one good. So some yin and yang balance here, which is always nice. So we'll do bad first. We'll save the good for later. Um, This is Asa Hutchinson of Arkansas, who somehow manages to be perhaps the limpest weakling in the whole party, which, of course, is really saying something. And um, he he hasn't done a lot good. There's not much that he's done that's been worthwhile. Um, But at least one worthwhile thing he did was banning mask mandates in his state. It's like the one thing you can give this guy credit for. And now he's saying he regrets that one good thing he did. He feels bad about having done it. Uh, Let's listen to that.
3: I signed it for those reasons that our cases were at a low point. Everything has changed now. And yes, in hindsight, I wish uh, that had not become law. Uh, but it is the law, and the only chance we have is either to amend it or uh, for the courts to uh, say that it has an unconstitutional uh, foundation. Oh,
0: dear God. What? <laughs> what? First of all, you will never hear a Democrat ever say anything like that. Can you think of an example? Prove I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Can you, can you think of any example of any Democrat At at any position of power, ever saying, oh, yeah, we, you know, I I did this thing and I regret it. (laughs) Never happens. Doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's a, even if it's a, a, a Democratic governor who put a policy in place that directly led to the deaths of thousands of elderly people, as is the case in New York. They will defend that to their own death. They will defend that. They will go down swinging. They will never admit that it was a mistake. And yet in this case, the one good thing this useless sack of nothing has ever done, he regrets. And his reason is, well, the, case, the, the cases had gone, had gone down. Did you not realize that the cases would go back up? You idiot. Is that real? So that's why you passed the ban on mask mandates? Is because you, you thought the cases wouldn't go back up? Okay, well I could have I'm not an epidemiologist which these days I think makes me a greater expert on uh, on disease because of how badly the epidemiologists have failed but either way I'm not an epidemiologist I could have told you that. Um, with any virus it, it it's going to be it's going to be ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows and that's how it's going to be from here on out. This is a virus that's always going to be with us and the cases are going to go up and the cases are going to go down. Fortunately, deaths are staying relatively steady because they're because so many people in this country are immune. Um, but yeah, that that that's not a surprise to me. So, what was the conversation? Who told this guy, "Hey, Governor, we should pass this uh, pass this this law because uh, uh, the, the, the COVID cases are never going to go up again"? And if you didn't think that COVID cases would ever go up again, then why pass the bill banning mask mandates in the first place? The, the pressure for the mask mandates was only going to come back when the cases go back up. If you thought they would never go back up, then why did you need the bill? So it doesn't make any sense. And uh, in, in he's just he, he cannot withstand any public pressure from the media, from the left, at all. He will cave in an instant. And yet uh, the fine people of Arkansas somehow elected this guy. That's my question for you. That's a sincere question. I don't follow Arkansas politics that closely, I admit. So really, I'm throwing this out there for any Arkansas voter who voted for this guy. What did you see in him? What did you like about him exactly? What am I missing? And if, I, if it seems like I'm being a little harsh on Hutchinson, keep in mind, this is the same guy who um, wouldn't sign a bill banning the chemical castration of children. So, what did you see, him, see in him? I'd like to know. Okay, now let's go to the good. Ron DeSantis. All right, a little bit of a palate cleanser here. Ron DeSantis gave a press conference yesterday. What a contrast between what you just saw from Asa Hutchinson and this here uh, the press conference, the whole thing was great, but I-, I loved, especially when we get towards the end, speaking directly to biden let's uh, let 's play this.
3: Joe Biden is taken to himself to try to single out Florida um, over COVID. Uh, this is a guy who ran for president saying he was going to quote, "Shut down the virus." And what has he done? He's imported more virus from around the world by having a wide open southern border. You have hundreds of thousands of people pouring across every month. And it's not just from mexico in fact it's rarely from mexico you have over a hundred different countries where people are pouring through not only are they letting them through they're then farming them out all across our communities across this country putting them on planes putting them on buses do you think they're being Uh, worried about covid for that of course not so he's facilitating who knows what new variants are out there but i can tell you whatever variants are around the world they're coming across that southern border and so he's not shutting down the virus he's helping to facilitate it in our country why don't you do your job why don't you get this border secure and until you do that i don't want to hear a blip about covid from you thank you
0: There it is. He's exactly right about the border, of course. That Joe Biden is inviting into the country hordes of infected people and just letting them in. Letting them in to spread the the virus. It's you can look at a map of where covid is is spreading the most right now and where the where the, the biggest spikes in cases are. And wouldn't you know? I mean, what a coincidence that so many of these big spikes are happening down south n- near the border. <laughs> Crazy. So, like, you know, I, I I don't know. Again, again, not an epidemiologist, but it just seems like you're uh, opening up the border. You're inviting people in. We know that hundreds and thousands of these people are infected with COVID. And then and then it, around the areas where they're coming in, we're seeing spikes in cases. It's like you might actually draw some sort of connection. I don't know. So he's exactly right, of course, about everything that he said. Um Joe Biden is facilitating the spread of the virus, and he knows that's what he's doing. To the extent that he knows anything anymore, to the extent that he knows what he's doing at all in general in life, to the extent that he that he knows that he's eating breakfast while he eats it, he knows what he's doing down on the border. Is doing it intentionally, and uh, Ron DeSantis is exactly right about that. And this is this is what we need from Republicans. Again, the contrast between Asa Hutchinson, utterly ineffectual, useless. And then Ron DeSantis, who is really getting things done as a governor. You you, you don't play defense. The other contrast here is Asa Hutchinson playing defense. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. You're putting the shield up, hiding behind the podium practically. He was all but ducking behind the podium. Don't yell at me. I'm sorry. Um, That's defense. Whereas Ron DeSantis has gone right after them. And doing it in meaningful ways. Which is why Ron DeSantis should be considered our front runner runner for 2024. I mean, yeah, it's still still far away. He hasn't officially announced that he's running for president yet. If he does run, listen, every time I say this, I know it upsets a certain portion of the audience who don't want to hear it. But um, at this point, Looking forward to what is a likely scenario in the Republican primaries for 2024, where you've got a whole field of people, and behind that field is, at front, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. There is no reason to support a 78-year-old Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis in 2024, except just that you're invested in a personality cult. Like at this point, assuming that both of those guys are in the running and are an option for voters, if you're going with Trump, it's it's because you're in the personality cult. There cannot be any other reason. There really can't. 78 years old, he's going to turn, he's as old as Biden. He will be as old as Biden when he gets to 2024. So you're giving him a second shot in his 80s. To accomplish some things that frankly, look, to accomplish some things that Trump never even came close to accomplishing the first time, didn't even try. Even simple things like drain the swamp. Can, Can we be honest with each other? Trump did not drain the swamp, didn't try to. Made no attempt. In fact, he surrounded himself with the swamp and listened to them for four years. Did their bidding. That's the, that's the truth. He had Trump had very little interest in in, in the act of actually governing. And also, this is Trump's two biggest flaws, okay? Little interest in the actual act of governing, the, the work of governing, especially the boring stuff, the stuff you're doing behind the scenes where you're really governing. Little interest in doing that. And um, also, Trump always cared deeply what people said about him and how they and how they felt about him. And so he spent the entire four years defending himself personally. He's also, on the other side of it, he's susceptible to flattery. So if you flattered him, he would let you into the circle and listen to you. Um, Ron DeSantis doesn't have those flaws. Not saying he's flawless. He's a politician. They've, I mean, all people have flaws, politicians especially. But those are not flaws that he has. He he is very interested in the act act of governing. He's very good at it. And he doesn't seem to be, he doesn't seem to really care what anyone says. And there's no evidence that you can flatter your way into his heart and manipulate him that way. So almost all of the good points of Trump are shared by DeSantis. And most of the bad points are not shared. And he's a lot younger. Um, And he's a rising star. So to me, it's an easy decision. I, I, I just, I, I, it, I, would like for someone to make a case for me for Trump over DeSantis that goes beyond personality cult stuff. If you could do it, I, I'd be interested to hear. All right. Let's play this for you also. Um, here's some more good news. If you're a, a woman and you've been out of the workforce and you're thinking about returning to the workforce, Meghan Markle is there to mentor you. So let's uh, let's listen to her make that pitch.
2: Because I'm turning 40, I'm asking 40 friends to donate 40 minutes of their time to help mentor a woman who's mobilizing back into the workforce. Over 2 million women in the US alone and tens of millions around the world have lost their jobs due to COVID. And I think if we all do it and all commit 40 minutes to some sort of active service, we can create a ripple effect. You in? Yes, times 40. 40, 40, 40, and then 40 times I say yes. Is it okay if I still do it in the hat? I wouldn't expect anything less. Thanks, friend.
1: Bye, friend. Cheers. See you
0: at 50. Okay, so one really quick question here. I'm I'm posing a lot of questions on the show today. Here's another question. If you're looking for mentorship um, in returning to the workforce, why would you turn to a woman who's never had a job in her life? She's never been in the workforce. She knows nothing about it. Right now, what, what is she? is she a, is she a working profe- professional? What is her profession? Meghan Markle's profession right now is being Meghan Markle. That's her whole profession. Uh, but yeah, she, she'll, she'll offer you some, some helpful advice, I'm sure. All right, finally, before we get to reading the comments, I've had this clip for a few days and I, uh, that I've wanted to play. We'll play it now. The BBC interviewed a sports scientist about the issue of men and women's sports. That obviously has been a big issue, especially with the, uh, the Olympics. And Laurel Hubbard showing up as a male. Although he's a male competing against the women in weightlifting, he, he, he flunked out and embarrassed himself. But even so, um, that's why it's been in the news. So they brought on Ross Tucker, who's a uh, sports scientist. And he had an opinion about all of this that has proven to be very offensive to lots of people, um, at least to the sorts of people who get offended by basic reality. But here it is. The problem is that
2: there's an asymmetry where once testosterone has done its job, and viewers will know what that job is, it's basically the development of male characteristics, which we see so prominently
0: during puberty and adolescence. So we're talking muscle, bone, decreased body fat, increased heart and lung size, all of which adds up to strength and performance advantages, once those are laid down by testosterone's effects, you can't undo them simply by lowering the testosterone level. And there are now ample studies that have demonstrated this, and so therefore the conclusion is that even the suppression of testosterone as is required leaves behind a considerable residual advantage that then means it's unfair
3: to cross into the women's sport category.
0: Needless to say, I don't have to tell you that he is being condemned as a bigot and a transphobe for all of that. Meanwhile, it's 100% undeniably true. Those are simply scientific facts. There's no debate. There's nothing to argue about. It's not an arguable proposition. If you disagree with it, you're just wrong. And you don't understand Basic human biology. The only thing he's wrong about, in fact, he said one wrong thing in that whole uh, clip. That was, that was. he said one thing in the whole clip that was incorrect. When he said, oh, well, viewers will understand what testosterone does. No, the viewers won't understand that. A lot of viewers don't. So you're wrong about that. You, you, you have assumed too much, I'm afraid. Because lots of people, especially on the left, they seem to think that, um, well, they'll say either that testosterone doesn't make a difference at all, or that if you're dealing with someone where their testosterone levels have been suppressed, maybe through drugs or something, well, then you've even the score. Except that when we talk about the biological differences between men and women, testosterone is just one small piece of the puzzle. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of other differences biologically. And as he points out, by the time you start suppressing the testosterone, especially for grown men who in like their 30s decide that they want to identify as women, the testosterone's already done it. As he said, it's already done its job. It's already, it has already created these differences. There's no way to undo that. You could take a drug. You could get fake implants. You could mutilate your genitals. But the biological advantages are there and they're not going anywhere. Simple scientific facts. That's it. But you're also dealing with The people who, for them, scientific facts mean absolutely nothing because their feelings, of course, override all of that. As we talked about yesterday in a blatant authoritarian move, Mayor Bill de Blasio just mandated that businesses in New York um, require proof of vaccination from all prospective customers and also employees. It's just kind of shocking how transparent the left is in this show of tyranny and it's time Americans stood up and used one of the shortest words in the the English language and also one of the most important, no, because authoritarianism has now come to America's shores. And if we don't do something, we're going to pay the price. And that's why there's no better time to pick up Ben Shapiro's new book, The Authoritarian Moment, which talks all about this authoritarianism, where we are now, where it came from, the history of it, and also what we can do about it, which is the most important thing. So go pick up The Authoritarian Moment now, uh, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller. All right, let's go now to reading the YouTube comments. Um, I'll start with this. Someone deeply hurt my feelings yesterday, if you listen to the comments section, by saying that I need to talk about different topics. So the producer put up a question in the comments uh, asking if, uh, if I should uh, discuss different topics or if they like the show as it is. And here are some of the answers to that question. Um, Matt is on it. Don't change a thing. Matt is my favorite Daily Wire host by far. Keep up the good work. Matt is excellent. I think what's covered in the show is great. I just want him to cover what interests him. Well, there it is. This curated sample of people have spoken. Um, and by the way though, it, it, is, it, is, it is true that I, that I cover what interests me. And even if it doesn't always interest you, you, you maybe could take some solace in knowing that I actually do care about the issues I discuss. And I believe what I'm saying. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about anything that I don't care about or don't believe in. You'll notice that there there can often be huge stories that everyone else is talking about. Big you know headline news that I won't talk about at all. And the answer is I just don't care about them. And I, I won't even pretend to care. Um, so you know that at least. If you hear it on this show... Well, you're hearing me talk about, I actually care about these things, and I believe what I'm saying. And that might be a low bar, but I can tell you that in the media, not a lot of people meet that bar. Whatever show you're listening to, for many, for many shows, you're, you're hearing people say a lot of things they don't necessarily believe and talk about topics they don't really care about. All right, um, Moose Chuckle says, Matt, am I allowed to watch this show without being vaccinated? Damn you, Moose Chuckle. You're endangering all of our lives. Ban from the show, obviously. Ron says, come on, Matt. Dogs are great. Our dog is a pet, and I tell him that his only job in the house is to let people pet him. Cats won't even let you pet them. I I, I get that. I just, he's going to need to carry more weight. Okay, than that. I, I have, uh, it, it's not that I'm anti-animal or anything. I just, I have, I guess I have a more old-fashioned view of everything in life, but also animals where it's, it's fine to have an animal in the home, or as but they got to do something. They got to contribute in some way, in some tangible way. I don't think that's much, That's too much to ask. Um, cool Papa J Magic says, I know I'm not supposed to cry as a man, but I teared up just a little bit to see that woman so happy to represent our beautiful country. And I will allow that, that, that I will allow. We'll, previously I'd said, I think there are six reasons acceptable reasons for a man to cry. I'll add number seven. I'll give you that. You're welcome. Um, Coming for you says, Matt Walsh, slowly becoming my favorite. He's really easy to relate to. Slowly, you say. Why only slowly? You're banned from the show. Uh, John says, I'm a landlord. I own five properties, have mortgages on all of them. The only thing that's keeping me afloat is the four tenants that pay on time. The only one that doesn't pay is uh taking away all of my profits some more some more stories like that from landlords th- th- see the thing is this is one of the good stories in comparison to the others because this is someone at least John like you're staying afloat and that's it, it isn't good but compared to many other landlords I've uh, this is how bad it's gotten that that qualifies as a good story a success story right now And maybe, John, you could confirm this. I'm assuming, that you own five properties, you're a landlord. I think there are many people who maybe, especially those who don't own any property at all, and they hear that and they think, oh, you own five properties. You must be a multimillionaire. You're basically Bill Gates. But, in fact, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to own five properties. Because the whole point, this is an investment, and uh, the part of the strategy here is that you're renting them out and so that you don't have to pay five mortgages. So maybe, John, maybe you could, I, I'm assuming, I, I'm guessing that even though you own five properties, you're not a multimillionaire. Um, Josiah says, if I win the backstage pass, do I get to sit on sweet Daddy Walsh's knee and get a picture? Hopefully this comment creeps, creeps you out enough to abandon the whole Daddy Walsh thing. It does creep me out, but I am stubborn. So that, that all you've done here is just ensure that I will refer to myself that way even more. So this, you had this coming from your sweet daddy. It is pretty bad. I don't know how long, much longer I can sustain this. Well, the world has gone completely crazy. I think we all know that, but the good news is that you could get a respite from that kind of an oasis in the storm by coming here to Daily Wire Studios and uh, hanging out with us with cigars and whiskey backstage, watching an episode of, uh, of, of Backstage with all of us. Uh, you can tour the studios. You can tour the offices. You get, a, you get a great swag bag of merch. Really wish that that wasn't swag bag of merch. You can, you can get some merchandise, some items, um, and you can watch us debate on the show live, but you're, you're going to want to hurry because there's not a lot of time to... Uh, get uh, an opportunity to do this. This is your last chance, so if you're not a member yet, head to dailywire.com backstage and enter code backstage at checkout for 25% off your membership, and you also get automatically entered to win one of the coolest trips you'll ever take. Again, uh, this is your last chance to do it, so make sure you do it now. Also, there's no question in my mind that every American deserves to wake up to the facts, and we're here to make sure that happens at The Daily Wire. That's why our newest podcast, The Morning Wire, has been topping the Apple and Spotify charts since its recent release, because it's the only daily news podcast that values your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news that you need to know, we need your help to make sure that the facts get out to more and more people. So subscribe now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Now, fair warning to those who complain that the subjects I cover on this show are often too dark and disturbing. If you feel that way, you're not going to like this segment. And I say that in order to give you time to bail out now, if you want. For those who remain, here's a headline that sounds like something that a mentally ill Babylon B writer might come up with in the middle of a LSD-induced psychotic break. Here's the headline. Trans YouTuber Chris Chan, 39, is listed as female in police report and will be be jailed with women um, despite arrest for raping her dementia sufferer mother, 79. Now, unfortunately, although there is indeed plenty of mental illness involved in this story, it is not satire. An apparently well-known YouTube personality and webcomic creator was allegedly caught on tape admitting to raping his own elderly mother. And because this monster now claims to be a woman, he is being housed with actual women in a women's prison. The Daily Mail has more, though I warn you that the details are extremely difficult to stomach. Here's what it says. Transgender YouTuber Chris Chan39 was identified as female by police and will be housed with women despite being biologically male after she was arrested for raping her mother. The vlogger and artist who goes by Christine Weston Chandler was arrested after leaked phone calls allegedly revealed her admitting to raping her mother, 79, who suffers from dementia. Chandler is biologically male, but came out as transgender at the end of 2014. Ch- uh, Chandler's arrest came just days after a phone call was leaked on an instant messaging platform on which a person believed to be Chandler seemingly admitted to having sex with her elderly mother who is believed to have dementia. During the 8-minute conversation Chandler apparently tells a friend that it was her mother Barbara who made the first move leading the two to kiss according to audio file uh, to the audio file which Newsweek reported. Chandler allegedly claimed she approached the situation with care and caution after years of harboring sexual feelings towards her mother and even having dreams of having sex with her. Quote, she was partially confused at one point, but then she came around, obviously. Chandler's allegedly heard saying on the call. As the call continues, the person said to be Chandler says that she and her mother now have a routine where they have sex every third night and that her mother enjoys it. Uh, that's as far as I could possibly go there. You'll notice how the Daily Mail has taken great care to ensure that they respect the pronouns of this alleged rapist. Newsweek, Yahoo News, the New York Post, every other media outlet that's reported on the story, they've all done the same. A man's feelings must still be respected even after he sexually assaults his own mother, it would seem. Never mind the fact that Chris Chan is not only a deviant rapist, allegedly, but also clearly insane. I pulled his most recent YouTube video before his arrest to give you an idea. Not that you probably needed any convincing about his uh, dire mental state, but uh, here it is anyway, watch.
2: Listen here, and listen good. I've told y'all, and I've kept it going time and time again, but y'all keep putting it on, putting it on. But my lupine, generation five, is cancelled. G4, Friendship is Magic, needs its five more seasons. It needs to go on to season 14. Now, this is the last straw, It calls for the good and safety of this timeline, you need to get that sh- pulled off of shelves and Amazon stores or wherever Hold else. Oh, all...
0: I can stop it there. Um, so you get the idea. As best I can, well, you probably don't get the idea at all. Uh, as best as I can tell, he's, he's yelling at Hasbro about My Little Pony, which is yet more confirmation for my position that adults who watch cartoons are weird, probably not this weird, but weird, And yet somehow we're supposed to believe that the self-identification of this raving lunatic rapist, allegedly, is a serious and meaningful insight and not just another of his deranged hallucinations. Many people on the internet certainly believe that, which is why social media in the aftermath of his arrest and the reporting on the story have, have largely been more upset at the people who misgender Chris Chan than they are at Chris Chan for sexually violating his elderly mother. More importantly, the court system takes this delusional predator seriously to the point of housing him in a prison with actual women. And by the way, a large portion of the women in any prison are going to be sexual abuse survivors. And and now they're going to be locked in a cell with a large, unstable, accused rapist. This is certainly a violation of the constitutional protections against cruel and unusual punishment, and it's even more certainly a violation of basic common sense and human decency. But, Here's what makes all this even more disturbing, if it's possible for it to get more disturbing. Millions of Americans, those on the ideological left, do not possess the moral or intellectual framework to object to most aspects of this story. They cannot object and do not object to a male sex predator being housed with women. And he is not the only male sex predator to be housed with women in women's prisons. This is happening across the country. And that's bad enough on its own. But they also can't really object even to incest in and of itself. Now, in this case, the victim has dementia, which means that she cannot consent, which means everyone agrees that it's a horrific crime. And yet, if it weren't for the dementia, then the leftist worldview would say that it is simply a choice that two people who love each other have made and it isn't hurting anyone, and we have no room to judge their lifestyle. It's true that most leftists are not at the point where they're going to openly defend consensual incest, but their worldview leads to that conclusion inevitably, inescapably. Everything they say about sexuality lays the groundwork. They have no basis to object to incest, if it's consensual, and, and they know it. They have no basis to object to any sexual activity or lifestyle at all, as long as it passes the consent test. Now, this one doesn't, and so they're saved from having to defend the the most revolting aspect of this story, but they still have to, and do, defend the rest of it. What do we make of that? How do we go forward as a country knowing that that, uh, when half of us hear a story about a man who rapes his elderly mother and is sent to a women's prison, we can only object to part of it, and even then, the objection is qualified and conditional? Well, I'm not sure that we do go forward as a country, ultimately. The chasm between us is vast and deep and and, and cannot be traversed. There is no middle ground or compromise between the two sides. We, We can barely see each other across the divide. And all we can hear is unintelligible shouting, which is why all anyone does anymore is shout because we are so far apart And that's why literally everyone involved in the story is, of course, I don't think I need to say it, canceled. But the good news, well, I wish I could end on good news, but uh, I'm not sure there is any good news we could pull from all of that. You could go somewhere else for your, your, uh, your portion of good news for the day. Um, what I can give out with this story are cancellations, and I certainly hand them out with, uh, with a vengeance. the matt wall show is produced by sean hampton executive producer jeremy boring our supervising producer is mathis glover our technical director is austin stevens production manager Pavel vodosky the show is edited by sasha tolmichov our audio is mixed by mike Koromina. hair and makeup is done by nika geneva and our production coordinator is mckenna waters the matt wall show is a daily wire production copyright daily wire 2021
3: john bickley here daily wire editor-in-chief Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, we speak to Dr. Marty McCary about whether mask and vaccine mandates are backed up by the evidence, backlash builds against Andrew Cuomo, and an Olympic athlete flees Belarus. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to
1: know with our show, Morning Wire. Mm